he just he's like a little Kevin Durant for me. Him, Brandon Ingram have that same kind of feel where they're tall, they're lanky. They have that type of jump shot where it feels like it's unguardable. Michael Porter Jr., as many people call him a professional scorer. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday, October 19th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host TV. Hope you have a fantastic day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you won't miss an episode. And for all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple. And for my Spotify, Anchor, and Podbean listeners, just show your support in any way possible. That would be highly, highly appreciated. If you haven't checked out the previous two parts to the season preview, I suggest you do that right now. I I previewed the Western Conference on my own last Tuesday. You can check it out, which is two episodes before this. And then on Friday, I was joined by Tony Tucker of Project Drivel slash the, the Warzone Sports Network to preview the East. That was an amazing episode. You should definitely go check that out as well. <clears throat> and today, I'm going to be capping off the season preview by making my award predictions for this year. You know the awards, the MVP, the Coach of the Year, Most Improved. All that stuff is going to be covered in this episode. It's going to be an awesome one. Hopefully this doesn't go more than 50 minutes. I don't want to keep you guys here for too long, but it's going to be some great NBA content here today. And of course, uh, by the time you're listening to this, the NBA season starts um, tonight, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. Still, you know, two episodes a week. Definitely go check, um, be on the lookout for them. I'm just excited to talk some more basketball. And just to um, finish off the season preview, going through all these awards, you know I love to- I'm talking some awards here on the pod. And we're going to be doing some previews here today. It's going to be a good episode today, so sit back, relax, and let's go into the first award. And as it is the first award, we got to start off with the first year players. Let's talk about Rookie of the Year. Before we get into my pick for this year, I'm going to be doing my top three per award for this um, for this episode. Let's look at last year and see who my prediction was for Rookie of the Year. In my Rookie of the Year prediction... Was LaMelo Ball, so I had that um, right on. He had a fantastic season last year. Before his injury, the Hornets were like a top six seed in the East, so they were doing really well. And yeah, I got that award prediction right. My backup pick, weirdly enough, I did not have Anthony Edwards, but I did have Killian Hayes, who was marred by injuries last year, but hopefully he can bounce back this year. But yeah, I was right on with the LaMelo Ball pick. But let's go into this, um, this year's choices, and I have a good top three here. We're going to start off at number three, my number th- um, three nom- nominee for this award. we got to go with Jalen Suggs. we got to go with Jalen Suggs for the number three um, position here for Rookie of the Year. And it's because, I mean, you can see a theme here with my um, rookie picks. You have to look for opportunity and kind of the stats that are being produced. And right now, Jalen Suggs has a good opportunity here. Um, in the preseason, kind of struggled a little bit. He did not have, you know, the greatest of times. Four points in his last game, then two points against New Orleans and nine points against Boston. But I still think he's going to have some ample opportunity this year. Just because the Magic are going to be 
um, experimenting a lot. They're going to be experimenting a lot. They still want to figure out who's going to be there long term or not. They don't know what's going to happen with Jonathan Isaac. They're still trying to decide between the two centers and Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba. And that backcourt. That backcourt is is like just a lot of options you can go with. Because you have someone like um, Jalen Suggs who you want to give minutes to. You, you draft him with the fourth overall pick. I mean the fifth overall pick. You didn't expect him to be there. But then you still got Cole Anthony, who they drafted last year. They still got Marco Fultz, who's out with injury. Hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Then, of course, you have Terrence Ross coming up to bench. He has to eat some minutes. And RJ Hampton, who has looked really good this preseason. 20 points in his last preseason game. Jalen Suggs, I think, is going to get a lot of opportunities. He's a good scorer, a decent passer, good defender. It's just that I don't. I think that he'll get consistent minutes. But... I mean, he's going to get a good amount of minutes, but it's not going to be consistent like his role. Just because they're going to be experimenting around and all that. But the talent's there with Jalen Suggs. He could really be an impact player on that team. He has the potential to be their best player. And they're going to need some scoring. They're going to need some defense. Someone is going to have to produce. And I think that Jalen Suggs can be that guy. Um, he's Like I said, definitely a crowded backcourt, but Jalen Suggs... I think has the highest potential out of all of them. Cole Anthony maybe is going to score more points than him this year. Um, Marco Fultz might um, get the bulk of the minutes at the starting point guard position because the Magic gave him that um, three-year, $50-$70 million deal last year. So opportunities will come and go for uh, Jalen Suggs, but I still think that he's going to get enough minutes, and he definitely has a shot at this award. If we look into my next two picks, though, I mean, you can see a theme. Like I said, you can see a theme with um, getting chances and stuff like that. And with the theme of chances in terms of my Rookie of the Year picks, all of them are in the top five. I mean, so like last year, there like it was really the two-man race between Lamelo Ball and um, Anthony Edwards, who were two of the top three picks. I think it's going to be something similar this year. I mean, Mobley, I don't have on this list, but he maybe has a small shot. But really, it really comes down to the the number um, the top two picks in this draft uh, when it comes to rookie of the year. And it's really like kind of who your preference is and who you think is going to have like the better season. At number two, though, I'm going to be going with the number one overall pick um, for my nomination. At number two, um, Cade Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons. He got injured in the preseason and he might miss game one, but he uh, game one of the regular season. But it looks like he will come back. But what I like about Cade is, one, of course, the opportunities there. They drafted him number one. This guy was the unanimous number one pick out of GMs. Um, I even said that in the survey as well, I believe. And Cade kind of just has all the tools. He has the ability to um, defend multiple positions. He stands as a 6'9 guard. Um, he can shoot. He can attack. And he just has, like, kind of that athletic uh, like overall ability in him for him to be that number one option on that Pistons team. Sure, um, you're going to um, kind of get some production from Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, even Killian Hayes, who's coming back from injury. But Kate Cunningham, they drafted him at number one. The Pistons are going to try damn hard to make him the guy on this team. And I'm really excited to see it. This guy has all the tools, all of the... like He just kind of has like that perfect build for an NBA player. And the fact that he's like that tall, um, that talented... As a rookie at 6'9", and can handle the ball, can pass. I think he's going to um, get some good opportunities there with the Pistons. I just The thing is, I don't put a number one because a lot of the time, the Rookie of the Year award does go to the rookie who averages a lot more points. I know last year was 
kind of the exception because Anthony Edwards did um, average over 20. But Lamelo Ball had a success, um, and that's what like really put him like team success, which put him over Anthony Edwards. Here, whether you go with the Pistons and Cunningham or um, who I'm going to have at number one, both teams are not going to be good. So it's really going to be like who kind of has a better individual season. And if I had to go for, go with that, I don't think K is going to outshine my number one guy, but I think he still has a good chance. He's coming at number two. I'm just so excited to see him play. I want to see like how he like goes in the NBA and just see if he can like you know have like that immediate impact right away. Me, he might not be the best rookie this year, but a few years down the line, this guy's gonna be an absolute stud. So yeah, Kate Cunningham at number two. Coming at number one, a lot of I think a lot of people are gonna have this guy as their number one guy. I'm gonna go with Jalen Green. Jalen Green, he has the experience of playing at NBA level competition. I mean, he was in the G League last year with the Ignite. Um, average, I think, like 16 points a game or so. And now with the Houston Rockets, yes, they have Kevin Porter Jr. Yes, they have Christian Wood. But Jalen Green, they brought him in to do, um, to do his number one like skill set, which is score the basketball. He can score from the outside. He can score from the inside. He has an in-between game. He can get to the free throw line. Jalen Green is just a flat-out scorer. And yes, he does have to improve other areas in his games, his passing, the turnovers, and and definitely on the defensive end. But in terms of having the ample opportunities, the um, the ability to have the ball in their hands a lot, Jalen Green has that. And like I said, I mean, Christian Woods obviously can get some shots up, Kevin Porter Jr. as well. But the same with Cunningham, I think Green just has that kind of more of a mindset to be the number one scoring option. And I think that he's going to get that for the majority of this season. He's going to be one of those rookies who could just possibly come in and average over 20 points a game. Now, will the percentages be good? Probably not. I mean, I I can definitely see a situation where he's in the low 40s, high 30s in terms of field goal percentages. Um, maybe like under 35% from three, maybe slightly over and stuff like that. So it may not be efficient. And I think a lot of people can't expect that, especially knowing that he is a rookie. But at the end of the day... Jalen Green has the talent. He has the scoring ability. Uh, some say that he has the best scoring ability in this draft. And, you know, with the opportunities getting there, get there in Houston, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he um, um, got the MVP, uh, the Rookie of the Year award. He's extremely talented. I'm extremely excited to see what he's what he's got this year. I saw a glimpse of him in the preseason when I w- went to watch the Raptors live against him. He, he, had a, he had a couple of baskets there. But come the regular season, he's going to have the green light to keep shooting and shooting. And I think he's going to um, be able to win this award. But yeah, but dude, these three guys, Cunningham, Green, and Suggs, I all expect them to be solid, solid NBA players, very good NBA players. I'm just excited to see what this class has in store. Moving on to the next award. We're going to be talking about not an NBA player, but the, the people on the sidelines. Let's talk about the coach of the year. I have three candidates here um, for coach of the year, and my number three and my number three is gonna be a surprise to many. At number three, call me the homer if you want, because you know my boys, the Toronto Raptors. But let's talk about Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, I think it's it's like one of those things where you, we don't know what's gonna happen with the Raptors, but if it goes well, Nick Nurse is gonna win MVP. And here's my explanation: the thing about what the Raptors are doing this year, and I kind of hinted about it when when Tony was on the show on Friday. 
they're trying something where this is kind of the first like look at a team who is going to kind of play a majority of the game positionless. And what I mean by that is like if you watch the preseason, which I don't blame you if you don't, it's the preseason, it doesn't really matter. But you could see kind of Nick Nurse's envision for this team. You could see the reason why Masai wanted to build a team the way it was. Because if you look at the Toronto Raptor roster, you don't got a single person over 6'9". You don't. You don't have a traditional big man. You got a lot of athletic, you know, tall guys who can switch on defense, who can handle the basketball, this and that. But not only do they have, you know, some 6'9 guys as their whole, um, the guy with their max height. They got a bunch of guys like that. They have like seven, eight guys, even like a two-way guy in Justin Champagne is 6'9". The Raptors are really trying to build a roster where you have the ability to kind of move around these guys in lineups. The switchability is going to like be there. And then you got, you know, the guys on your team like the Freddie Van Vliet's, like a Gary Tread, who can go out there and get you buckets, can set up other players. You got the Malachi Flynn's. And then you're hoping that people like OJ Anobi take that next step offensively. Pascal Siakam continue on his trajectory of his career. And look, I mean, a lot of the thing is like with the Raptors team, and you kind of saw a bit of that when they faced the 76ers in their second preseason game. When you go up against teams like an Embiid, well, like the 76ers with Joel Embiid, if you go um, against like the Denver Nuggets and Nicole Jokic, it's going to be tough. But the thing is here is that you can, like, like have the ability to kind of hone in on, like, one thing, like, defensively. And you can just throw different, like, types of um, things at teams. And they're not going to see it coming. I don't think a lot of teams are going to get used to it. I mean, in the first preseason game, um, Doc Rivers even pointed it out that the length is going to be a problem going forward. But the thing is... This could really go either one of two ways. This is going to be like revolutionary, like I said in the last episode, or this could make really um, this could flop, which will be fine or not. But the Raptors, we don't know how they're going to play together. They still got some guys from the championship roster. They still have an elite head coach. But if they end up being what, like a top six seed, closing in on fifty wins, maybe getting like the 47, 48, especially where they were last year. I think Nick Nurse has a chance, and with the way he's, like, being super aggressive, like, in this, like, whole new play style, I think it's going to be something that a lot of the teams are going to be be kind of, like, shook up at, at first. Maybe they'll figure it out, maybe they won't, but if it does work out, I think there's going to be, like, a big storyline um, um, going throughout the season that the Raptors are really trying to move away from, like, like legit NBA positions and trying to go towards more positionless basketball. Hey, if it works, Nick Nurse, you're a genius. If not, go back to the drawing board. They got a lot of young guys, but um, so they can definitely work things, some things out. But it's definitely going to be a very interesting season. But I have him at number three. These next two guys have a proven track record. You could really like flip a coin between any of these two because these both of these teams and their coaches are elite. They're both going to have fantastic regular seasons. It's just who do you think is going to have a bigger impact and kind of have a narrative towards them. At number two, I got Mike Boonholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks. Just got a contract extension coming off an NBA championship. And I don't have to go too much with Coach Bud because every year he is in this conversation. And when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks team, they are like, they have played with each other for a long time. And at this point, the camel's off their back. They don't have to worry about trying to prove people that they 
that they can win a championship. They've done it. Of course, they want more, but they know what it takes now. They have a, a team built for the regular season and the playoffs, too. They've proven it time and time again. Last year, they finally won the championship, but even like the years before that, they've been like one or two in the Eastern Conference. Giannis, multiple-time MVP, regular season MVP. And this team is deep. This team is really good, and Mike Boonholzer just knows how to get you know, the best out of these guys. And the thing is with this Milwaukee Bucks team, now they're playing more loose. They're playing with um, a lot less, you know, free-flowing. They're, they're playing more free-flowing, um, I mean. I think it's going to be a dangerous team, and this team could be knocking on the door of, of winning more than 65 games this year. This is how confident I am in this team. And if they're near that mark, if they're over that mark, Mike Boonholzer is definitely going to have a big chance at winning coach of the year. Um, they've done this before. They know what it takes to get through the regular season. I expect big things for the Milwaukee Bucks again, and I know that Mike Boonholzer is going to be in the mix for coach of the year. But he is second, and in my number one position here, give me Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, he's kind of like missed out on the award a lot, like a couple of times. Last year was probably his best chance after taking the Jazz to um, the number one seed in the West last year. But this year, I do think this is his time. The the Utah Jazz basically have the same lineup as last year, but they got more deep. They got Rudy Gay. They brought in um, Eric Pascal. They have Hassan Whiteside off their bench now. They just got a bit more deep. Plus, they have their, um, their core group of guys who know how to win, who know how to get it done in the regular season. And, you know, when it comes to, like, regular season play, they're not going to do the thing that, like, the Clippers did in the playoffs last year and just go small and try to dare Rudy Gobert to come out on the perimeter. That's not, just not going to happen every night. These guys know how to win the regular season. Donovan Mitchell is probably going to average over 25 points a game this year. Rudy Gobert is probably going to still be in the running for a defensive player of the year. This team just knows how to get it done in the regular season. And no matter how you feel about them going to the playoffs, that's a completely different story. The Utah Jazz are an elite team, um, especially in the regular season, and they just know how to pull off wins. Um, now that we're back to an 82-game schedule, I expect this team to maybe go near over um, 60 wins and be competing for a top spot in the West. That's just the type of team they are. And they're coached well by Quinn Snyder. The playoffs are a whole different story, but when it comes to the regular season, the regular the Utah Jazz are going to perform, and they've done it um, for quite a bit now. So yeah, um, I think that Quinn Snyder is going to have one, uh, and the Jazz are going to have one of the best records in the league. And Quinn Snyder, I think this is the final lead. This is going to be his year to win the Coach of the Year. Two awards down. Let's move on to the next award, and we're going to be talking about the Defensive Player of the Year. Now with the Defensive Player of the Year, this award is very interesting to me because it feels like every year there's always this like kind of small group of guys that are in the running for it, and it hasn't really changed. Um, and if you look at my candidates, I'm not going to go too deep into it because you can't really, unless like you see it on the court and to see the impact, you're not going to really know um, how to like really determine who's going to be like more impactful or less impactful in terms of this race, like the players here. But we'll have to wait and see. Let's start with my number three for this award. Coming at number three, um, nominee for Defensive Player of the Year, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Going back to the Bucks, this team is always going to be like a top 10 offensive, top 5 defensive team. They've done this year after year after year. And Giannis... One of the best rim protectors in basketball. One of the most influential players on the defensive end in basketball. 
he you just know that every year he's gonna have a chance he's gonna uh, he's gonna rack up the blocks he's gonna just be a, def- a deterrent to anyone who wants to attack the rim because freaking Giannis and his huge wingspan and his ability to just contest like shot after shot is going to be so important to this Milwaukee Bucks team. And, and once again, with the roster they have constructed, they're probably going to be a top five defense. And if they have a lot of wins as well, if they're dominating the regular season, I can definitely see Giannis getting this award. Um, and yeah, I just, I just think that like... Just because he's going to be four as well, it's going to be tough. Um, and plus, he's probably going to have to do more on the, on the offensive end. So maybe that's going to hurt him in this award. But I still think he's still one of the best defenders in the league. That's why I have him at number three. Coming at number two is the guy who has won two, def- three defensive player of the years already. Is always in the mix for trying to win defensive player of the year. And I expect him to be in the mix once again. Let's talk Rudy Gobert. And like I mentioned with Quinn Snyder and the Utah Jazz of success, it's not going to happen every game where Rudy, Rudy Gobert is going to ex- get exposed like that. Because in most games, if they're not doing um, that type of stuff to him, he is one of the most impactful players on the defensive end, especially in the modern era. Um, he is a um, he is a fantastic rim protector, one of the best rim protectors of, uh, of the modern era. And... The Utah Jazz's success revolves around how good this guy is on the defensive end and how impactful he is. He's going to keep doing his thing. The Utah Jazz are going to keep getting wins. They're probably going to be a top three defense again this year just because that's like the way the Utah Jazz is run. That's how good their roster is. And Rudy Gobert is the backbone of that defense. So, yeah, Rudy Gobert going to happen once again. He might not get it just because voter fatigue. I don't know if that's really the case here in defensive play of the year, but Rudy Gobert definitely has a big shot at it. That's why I have him at number two. And then coming at number one, barring health, barring health, um, this guy is always a defensive um, player of the year candidate. And then this year, I think if the Lakers do extremely well, um, get back to that defensive form like they did last year, like they have the year before, this guy's going to be kind of the one getting a lot of credit for it. At number one, give me Anthony Davis. He has the ability to switch on multiple positions on the floor. One of the best rim protectors in basketball. And what's good about the the Lakers is that they are just a very good defensive team in general. Anthony Davis missed a, a big chunk of games last year. But they were still number one defensively. And that's what's going to happen every year with this team. Yes, they, they got older. Yes, they kind of lost some of their defensive threats. But... Um, these guys are smart. These guys know how to um, have a good defensive scheme. Um, Frank Vogel knows how to get it done. Even like with the injuries last year, he was still able to do it. So I don't see why not they could do it again this year. And he has a big impact on the defensive ends. You can even go to the counting stats. He gets the steals. He gets the blocks. And if the Lakers are a number one team, like a top defensive team again, top four in the West, Anthony Davis is going to have a damn good um, argument for defensive play of the year. And really, if you look at these three guys, Davis, Gobert, and Antetokounmpo, you can really like go with either one of them. But this is more of a, you got to look at that, um, their individual performance, but also kind of projections for their teams. And I think if if the Lakers can continue to be that good defensively and still get a lot of wins, Anthony Davis is going to get a lot of the love here, and I have him winning Defensive Player of the Year. Let's move on to the next award. And for the next award, we're going to be going to the most improved. Most Improved Player Award, we obviously know what that entails. Basically, someone who 
is going to try to take that next step, whether it's from kind of good player to all-star level or just taking like a huge jump in numbers. That's what the MIP is all about. And it's basically a projection of who do you think is going to take that next step this year. And I got three candidates who I think all are going to take the next step. But who is going to win most improve? Let's see. Coming at number three for me, again, some people, could, you could call me a homer all you want. But OG Ananobi is my number three um, for most improved. Every year of his career, OG Ananobi has just gotten better, added different stuff to his game. Last year, he got a lot more consistent three-point shot. And that's why he averaged like 15 points a game last season. And this year, you could see in the preseason, he he is including the handles. He's still a fantastic defender. And because of Kyle Lowry being gone, they need someone to step up into the offensive end. They're going to be looking to OG, and I still think he's going to have a very, very good season here. If you just look at every year of his career, I mean, rookie season, six points a game, jumping up to seven, then moving up to 11. Last year, basically 16 points a game. I could see OG having a type of year where he gets maybe one and a half steal, almost two steals a game. Um, he's an average like eight, maybe almost 20 points a game, like over 40% from the three-point line. I'm that confident in his three-point ability. Very good at the free throw line. Being able to attack the rim now as well. I think OG's going to take a huge step in his game in general. And I think the stats are going to reflect that. And especially if the Raptors like are in the play-in, maybe are a top six seed, and OG's a big part of it. I just see him having the narrative for him going to win um, most improved. I'm very excited to see how he's going to do this year. I have huge expectations for him. A lot of Raptor fans are people calling him Baby Kawhi already. But I think OG's ready for this. I think that he has a chance to win most improved. Oh my god, I even forgot to like check for my like for the other ones. I just realized just now that I forgot to like tell you like who I had winning for the other awards. Let's just, like, let's just go through it quickly. Coach of the year. I had Mike Malone winning last year. That wasn't the case. And my backup was Brad Stevens. Yeah, so I didn't have Tom Thibodeau winning. Um, when it comes to rookie, um, when it comes to um, defensive player of the year, I had Giannis Antetokounmpo winning, which he didn't. That went to Rudy Gobert. But yeah, so like the last two awards, yeah, I, I got it wrong anyway. But back to most improved. Last year, I had Shea Gilders Alexander winning. He did not win it. That went to Julius Randle last year, and my backup was DeAndre Aiden, which he wasn't really close at all either. But yeah, back to the Most Improved Player Award um, rankings. Number three, I have OG Ananobi. He's going to take a big step in this game this year. I'm excited to watch him play. Coming in number two in my Most Improved Player uh, as a candidate, I'm going to have someone who I think last year some people might have had it in their top three. But I think this year he's finally going to take that next, um, the next big, big step. And that's going to be Michael Porter Jr. Now, what's interesting about Michael Porter Jr. is that I I I, I hope I, I hope someone can correct me in the comment sections right now, but is he like vaccinated? Is he gonna miss some games or so? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know he said that I don't I don't think he's fully vaccinated, but I don't know what that means for um, how many games he's gonna play this season. But we're gonna have to wait and see. But if he were to play like you know, normal, like, 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 games, over 70 games. I still think that this guy's going to take a massive jump in his game. He just got that uh, max extension from the Denver Nuggets. And last year, he showed that he is, like, getting very, very close to being that type of guy, like, being that number two, number three option on a, on a very good Nuggets team. Last year, averaging 17 points a game, seven rebounds, um, 
one assist and is getting a bit better defensively, I think that those numbers can jump like like pretty high. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., you already know about his scoring ability. I think that number can jump up to near the 25, 26 point per game range. Still average around eight rebounds a game. And the Denver Nuggets are still going to play extremely, extremely well, especially in the regular season. He's going to have to be the second scoring option because Jamal Murray is still out with injury. He's probably going to be out until March. So you need someone to step up on the scoring department. And the Denver Nuggets are all in on Michael Porter. They're really hoping that he could be kind of that shot creator from the um, on the perimeter for this team. Jokic is going to continue to do his thing. He's probably going to put up MVP-like numbers again. But he needs someone beside him who can take the offensive load off of him, especially scoring-wise. And I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to take that step this year. Very sad to see him play. He just He's like a little Kevin Durant for me. Him, Brandt Ingram have that same kind of feel where they're tall, they're lanky. They have the type of jump shot where it feels like it's unguardable. Michael Porter Jr., as many people call him a professional scorer, he is a fantastic offensive player in general. I think that he's going to have a really good year. That's why I have him number two in my most improved player um, rankings. And coming at number one, I've been listening to a couple podcasts, and I don't really think people are talking about this guy much, but I think he's going to have a massive jump in his game, and I think this year he's going to be my MIP choice. We're going to be talking about John Morant. Yes, I think that in this third season, John Morant's going to win most improved. He had a good improvement last year. I'm going from like 17.8 points per game to 19, becoming a a still a good um, assist guy, um, upping his rebounding numbers a bit. But when it comes to this season, I think that John Morant is going to elevate his game to where we have to have a conversation in the season that maybe he is a top five point guard. I think this year he's going to absolutely blow up and be a fantastic player and turn his, you know, that potential from being a possible lead player to being that elite player this year. And right now, I think he's a top 10 point guard. He's very, very good. And to win most improved, you're going to have to blow people away with the numbers. And I think Jock can do that this year. Maybe averaging like a 23 points a game, five rebounds, almost 10 assists, just because he has the ability, like great passing ability as well. I think by the end of the season, we're going to have conversations where John Morant might be, you know, people might consider him a top five point guard. And I think that's not completely out the question. The Grizzlies are going to be good. As you see in my pre- in my um, Western um, preview, I have high hopes for the Grizzlies this year. And John Morant's going to have to be the floor general. He's going to have to be the man for that team. And I think he's up for the challenge. He's like we showed he we seen what he could do in the playoffs. Last year he was absolutely fantastic in those um in those um in those um playing games and then even in the first round they won one game, but this guy was averaging 30 points a game, 8 assists. He's just an awesome player and I think that this year we're finally going to see him like provide, you know, ridiculous numbers on a regular basis in the regular season. I have him as my most improved winner. Now let's move on to the next award, which is going to be the Sixth Man of the Year Award. The best player off the bench. I'm not a huge fan of this award just because, I don't know, I just feel like this is such an easy criteria to judge off of. Just who's going to score the most points off the bench. I think there's more to that of being an effective bench player, but it is what it is. That's how usually the awards go, um, the kind of the voting goes for this. So I have three guys here who I think is going to be absolute buckets coming off the bench this year. And, yeah, here are my top three nominees for um, six man of the year. Coming at number three, I have um, the Atlanta Hawks' 
Kevin Herter. Last year, Kevin Herter showed that he could like provide some key minutes in the playoffs. And I think that he's going to be one of those guys coming off the bench where he's just going to go out, shoot the basketball, play solid defense. He just knows what his role is. And I think he's going to do that to a very high level last year, even coming off the bench. A very good three-point shooter. And I know it's going to be tough. And that's it's going to be tough for him because there's so many great players on that Atlanta Hawks bench that he's going to maybe like not have the numbers to kind of back it up. But you know, last year, 12 points a game, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. He has solid numbers. If he can really like bring that up to like a 17 or maybe like a 16 points per game coming off the bench, he's going to definitely have a chance at 6, man. But it's going to be tough. Like I said, they still got Gallinari on that bench. They got Sweet Lou. They got Onyeko Kongwu. They got Cam Reddish, who's possibly coming off the bench. There's just so many guys there. Where they're gonna have to maybe um, like you know spread the ball around more, but Kevin Herter, I still think that he could possibly be kind of that flamethrower off the bench. He he needs to score like 16 points a game though um, to possibly win this award. But I have him coming in at number three. Coming in at number two, I have someone from the Miami Heat, someone who thinks he should be in the conversation with the John Morants, with the Luka Doncic's, like the Trey Youngs as the next you know, the future of basketball. And although I think he's kind of like, you know, I'm thinking of himself too highly right now, I still think he's going to have a fantastic season. Uh, coming at number two, I have Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is probably going to come off the bench because the backcourts is probably going to be Kyle Lowry and probably Jimmy Butler if he's not going to play the three or just Duncan Robinson, whoever it is. But Tyler Hero is probably going to come off the bench. And because of the lack of depth that the Miami Heat have on their bench, Tyler Hero is going to get ample opportunities to score there. I honestly think that this is going to be a type of year where Tyler Hero, like, can really like like score like huge numbers off the bench, like close to twenty points per game. He like, he's shown really well in this, at least in the preseason as well, that his three point shot has definitely looked great. He's averaged like over twenty um two point um twenty two points a game in in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, but he's looked really well, really good. Shooting the three ball well, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. He's just looking really good, and I think that he is going to be one of the top candidates for a six-man of the year. Tower Hero coming at number two for me. And coming at number one, I don't remember the last time someone repeated that six-man of the year, but I think that this guy has the opportunity to. Coming at number one, give me Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson was the winner of that last year. And last year, my prediction was going to be Norman Powell or even Karis LeVert or Dinwiddie, but that completely was wrong. But Jordan Carson won last year, and I think that this year he definitely has the opportunity to go back to back. Um, he puts up big numbers. He scores in bunches. And on someone like – like he is like the one guy on the um, – at least like right now just looking at it on the Utah Jazz bench where you're going to be like just give him the ball and let him go to work. Last year, averaging 18 points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists off the bench. I think that that's going to um, carry on over to this season. He's been really good for them in that role, and I think he's going to still put up big numbers. I, I, Tyler Hero's gonna, I think him and Tyler Hero are going to really be neck and neck this year. Um, whoever has a bigger impact on the team is definitely going to win. But Jordan Clarkson, I think the Jazz might finish number one in the West once again. I know they're definitely a big possibility. That's why I have him number one. And my six man of the year rankings. Two more awards left to go in this show. Very excited to talk about these two. But I'm going to change things up a bit. 
if you like if you look at the thing you know i've gone through most of the awards and there's only like one like legit award left which is the mvp but i want to hold that to last let's hold it a bit later we've only been like what um like 20 something minutes into this podcast we'll be fine let's come up with a different award and i'm going to call this one the comeback player of the year award and basically my criteria for this is these three players either had to have gone through quite a number of in- injury issues and bounce back or someone who's had a really down year and and just like re- and is going to bounce back this season in a big way it's very very subjective it's not definitely objective so you may agree you may disagree but here are my three guys coming at number 3 i want to get this guy out the way just because he's still a big question mark for the season Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, I've talked a lot about him in the offseason, and he looks like he's going to um, be back here um, and by Christmas, which is really, really good news. But the reason I have him number three in my comeback player of the year award um, race is we just don't know how he's going to look coming back. I mean, when you look at the 2018-2019 season, he was averaging 21 points a game on over 40% from three. This guy was still super efficient from the field as well. I mean... He was considered by many a top five shooting guard. If you can come back um, 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 from these two, like, you know, the ACL surgery, the Achilles surgery, and still be that type of guy, he could win my Comeback Player of the Year award. I, that's definitely still a possibility. I just, not sh- I just like, am not, like, as, like, confident in this one. Just because, I mean, yes, his game is catered, like, like, his, like, his game like means he's gonna have a longer career means that he doesn't have to like you know you um put too much um pressure on those legs but at the end of the day two two leg injuries are still two leg injuries he i'm just not sure how he's gonna come back that's why i have him number three on my comeback player of the year rankings coming at number two i think i have someone here who's gonna surprise a lot of people this year he's finally gonna have like a good opportunity here last year was kind of rough for him but i think this year is gonna be pretty good um, coming at number two, Kemba Walker. He was released by the Oklahoma City Thunder and now is on the um, on the New York Knicks. And I think he's going to have some good opportunities here because the New York Knicks team right now, besides Julius Randle, maybe a bit of R.J. Barrett, they need some scoring. They need some scoring help for sure. And it was only like three seasons ago where um, Kemba Walker was an all-star averaging almost 26 points a game. Yes, there have been injuries. Yes, um, it didn't work out too well in Boston. But I think it's a fresh start. He's back at Madison Square Garden where people always want to bring up that play when he was with UConn, like hitting that game winner in the NCAA tournament. He lives for the big moments and playing on the big stage. And Kemba Walker is definitely going to have um, the opportunity here. He averaged 19 points a game last year, but the reason I have him as a comeback player is because he still missed quite a number of games and stuff like that. Um, he, I don't think even think he really finished the season. But I think this year, I have him as a comeback player of the year. I still I think he's going to average over 20 points a game with this next team. He's going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. And I think that at least there's a chance this year where Kemba Walker can reestablish himself as a top 10 point guard in this league. Very excited to see how he's going to do with with the um, with the next, um, his com- a combo of him and um, Jewish Randall is going to be something very, very interesting. But we're going to have to wait and see how that um, goes. Kemba Walker, for me, is number two on my Comeback Player of the Year rankings. And coming at number one, this guy missed the majority of last season. I think he only came back for the playoffs, but he definitely did not look the same. But I think he's going to have a fantastic year this year. 
I think he's going to um, take that next step. And it's going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. Last year, he only played 11 games. And now he got the big contract extension, four years, $105 million. And now he's actually fully healthy. He got the whole season to rehab. I think this year, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to take that next step and be the unanimous number two on that Grizzlies team. The most points he's had in his career was two seasons ago, 17 points a game, um, five, um, almost five rebounds um, over a block a game. Yeah, he had solid numbers. But this year, I think that um, Triple J, his ability to shoot the ball, his impact defensively, I think he's going to have a really, really good season. And by really good season, I, I promise you, I think he's going to average like 19 points, almost 10 rebounds a game, almost two blocks a game, and scoring like maybe like a 38, 39% free throw shooter. I'm super, super high on this guy. I'm a big Triple J fan. And I think after the injury he suffered last year, he definitely struggled a bit in the bubble and in, in the playoffs as well, just because he's coming off the injury. But the talent's there. The talent's there with Triple J. And I really do think he's going to have a really, really good season coming up. And he is my he's gonna and he's my prediction to be the winner of TV's comeback player of the year. I'm gonna have this as my award. I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna cl- um, claim this at least for this podcast. TV's comeback player of the year award. Triple J is gonna be my early season favorite. Now let's move on to the final award, the MVP award, the most valuable player last year. Um, the winner was Nikola Jokic, and. Last year, I predicted it was going to be either Luka or LeBron. I got that completely wrong, but this year, I think it's going to be a really good MVP race. Um, I have three guys here who definitely like has the talent to do so. But the thing about the um, MVP, you got to match your individual performance with team performance. So I definitely had to think a lot about that. But let's get into it. Here are my top three MVP candidates. Coming in at number three is going to be kind of my dark horse, someone who I think has the talent to do so but it really just depends on how good his team is i think that trey young is gonna is is my third choice to win mvp last year funnily enough didn't even make the all-star game which is really really surprising to me um i think it's just because the hawks struggled early on the season even though trey put up massive numbers but i have big hopes for this team this year and i think trey young if they could take him to like a top four top three seed Trey Young has a huge chance to has a good chance to win MVP. I'm not gonna say huge chance, but he, he this guy has a good chance. He's probably gonna average like near 10, 10 assists a game, maybe thirty points a game. He's gonna have the numbers to back it up, but it's gonna have to do with the Atlanta Hawks and how good they do. He can get buckets. Um, this guy has the leadership quality, so you know his impact is gonna be huge on this team. And I'm just super high on this um, Atlanta Hawks team. I'm very excited to see them play. And Trey Young, now that he knows what it ta- the taste is of going into the playoffs, he's going to want more of that. He's going to want to produce even at a higher level. I think he's going to, like, he's just going to put up massive numbers. And if the Hawks win enough games, he could definitely be in the MVP conversation. Some people don't even have him as a top five point guard right now, but I think that he is, like, an extremely talented player. And I think that he can kind of reach that MVP level soon, especially with how good I think the um, Atlanta Hawks is going to be. Coming in at number two, I have last year's MVP, Nikola Jokic. I know Luka's the favorite. I know this and that. But again, regular season success, 
you need to be good individually and have a good team for the regular season. And the Nuggets are just super consistent year in, year out. And Nicole Jokic, by far, is just the most impactful player on this team. He was absolutely phenomenal last year, averaging 26 points a game, almost 11 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, at one point, it looked like he was going to average a triple-double. But Jokic is that guy, man. Jokic is that guy. He's going to miss Jamal Murray for the most of the season once again. But the thing is about Nicole Jokic, he knows what it's like to play without Jamal Murray, and he still knows how to produce. I could see him, like, I know it's going to be tough. It's already tough enough to win back-to-back MVPs because of voter fatigue and stuff like that. But if, like, Michael Porter Jr. becomes a reliable second guy to him, he just has to keep feeding him and feeding him. He's going to get the assists. He's going to get the rebounds. And he's probably going to still average, like, 26, 27 points a game this year. Nicole Jokic is going to have the numbers to back it up. He just needs some, um, you know, regular season success, which the Nuggets are are due to have. And I think the good thing about um, Nicole Jokic as well and why it's, he's a, a good pick to win um, the award once again is that he's durable. I mean, last year he didn't miss a single game playing all 72. And that's what kind of, like, um, separated him from players like the Kevin Durants, like the Joel Embiid's, who were also in the race. He just played more games. And you can expect him to play, at least, like, with his, like, recent history in terms of playing games. He's going to give you 70-plus games. He's going to He could possibly get you over 80. And he's going to put up massive numbers. And the Nuggets are going to play very, very well. So... Coming at number two in my MVP rankings, got Nikola Jokic. Expecting a big man from the best center in basketball, yes. I mean, you guys heard my words before. I have him as the best center in basketball. I think he's going to be in for another fantastic year. And coming at number one, I know I talked about um, durability, and this guy is going to be tough to stay healthy, but if he's going to play in Team USA in the summer and like continue to play the way he's playing, especially coming off last year, basically being a toe toe away from um, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's the best player in the league, in my opinion, right now. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Last year, he averaged some big numbers, 26.9 points per game, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. And now with, like, a huge question mark around Kyrie Irving going on right now and with the Brooklyn Nets, Durant's going to feast. Durant's going to absolutely feast. I have a feeling that Durant, Durant's just going to, because of just how good his team around him is and just how good of a basketball player he is, he's going to average like near 30 points per game this year. The Nets are going to be like a top two seed in the East. And he's just going to put up big numbers, have a huge effect on the team. And he's just going to like, I think he's going to try his best to play like every single game this regular season, you know, barring like, you know, minor injuries here and there. I think Durant's going to really want to try to play this whole season. And if he like continues to play the way like he did in the playoffs last year, because last year was absolutely ridiculous, averaging like 34.5 points per game. If he can average like 30 points a game this year, the Nets be a top two seed. It's Kevin Durant, man. It's Kevin Durant. He's done it before. He definitely has a chance to do it again. And he. it's been a while since he won MVP. So maybe like people are going to look at him, have the narrative saying, Oh, this guy came back from injuries. This guy won um, gold medal with Team USA. This guy has had a great story coming back and all that. Let's give him the award. He definitely has that narrative going around him that um, as an individual. But um, he's good. He's, he's an extremely good player, um, best player in the league, in my opinion, like I said. And I think he's just going to go off offensively. He's going to be one of the top guys for Brooklyn defensively as well. 
He's going to put up numbers. He's going to be absolutely fantastic this year. Kevin Durant is my pick to win MVP this season. Him and James Harden is going to be um, a good duo to watch. Harden's going to feed him a lot, but I think Durant's going to get most of the shine. Yes, that is all my awards predictions. Let me know down below what you guys think. Agree or disagree? Do I have like players that you think should win it, not even on my nomination list? Let me know down below. Before we head out, like I said, I'm going to end this podcast off by giving you my finals predictions. And man, I think this is going to be a tough one. I think this is going to be a tough one this year. Um, I think in the East, there's like really two teams we're going to be really going at it. But a few teams that maybe have a, like a small chance of getting in. In the West, with the way the Lakers are constructed, I still have a lot of questions on them. I think there's this. Um, the West is up in the air right now. Yes, they have LeBron. Yes, they have AD. But I have um, it's just like some of my doubts. I'm not very confident in that choice. But if I had to pick a, a NBA Finals matchup that I think is going to happen this year, give me the Brooklyn Nets taking on, wait for it, the Utah Jazz. Yes, the Utah Jazz, I think, are going to make the NBA Finals this year. I think they're in that place where Milwaukee was last year. You know, great regular season team. Um, does can't really, like, has that Cam on their back saying that, oh, they can't make the playoffs, this and that. But I think they're going to break through. Yes, they. I know they don't have that Giannis, like, level player. Donovan Mitchell is not that, but they're a deep team. They have a defensive anchor in Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. A very, very deep team. A good, a very good head coach. And I think that they can adjust this year. Maybe they find some adjustments where they can have Rudy Gobert stay on the court. But I have a good feeling about this Jazz team. I have a very good feeling about this Jazz team. And I'm not very confident in the Lakers, the Suns, and all that. Um, I'm not very confident in this pick either. But the West is just so up in the air. You can really go with like quite a number of teams. You could even throw the Warriors in the mix. But I wouldn't like jump the gun just yet. But if I had to make a prediction right here, right now, I think we're going to have the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals. And if I had to predict that series, give me the Nets in six games. So, yeah, my official prediction, official finals prediction, Brooklyn Nets versus the Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals. But the Utah Jazz will come up short. The Nets will be NBA champions this year. But, yeah, agree, disagree. Um... Some people are not going to have the Brooklyn Lakers, which is the one that everyone wants to see. But I think the West is a bit up in the air right now. And now that Kawhi is also out for the Clippers, I think there are a couple of teams that you can make the argument for that can make it the NBA Finals. The Utah Jazz is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I do think that the Utah Jazz can turn it around this year. But I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show your love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also TikTok. I always have to remember that. Also follow my TikTok because Daily Con is coming back out um, for the season. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to be back again on Friday with another episode going through what could be the first few games of the regular season. Hopefully every team has played at least a game or so so we can um, really talk about it. But yeah, super duper excited. Thank you guys for all the support. And yeah, just excited for this NBA season to start tonight. Let's go. But yeah, hope you have a fantastic day. This is TV signing out. Take it easy, guys. Peace.